Where's your favorite fish taco? Tell me. Uh, best fish taco in Ensenada or La Cevicheria in Mid-City. The correct answer was Ricky's fish tacos. <laughs> back everybody to the bull and the badger podcast hi i'm vanessa i'm the bladger the bladger <laughs> the bladger have we merged now <laughs> no no we're one the bladger it was bound to have it it was it's not even bladger it's bladger <laughs> i know it's just the you out of bladger. it okay well i'm april the other half of bladger <laughs> I was like, is she going to do it? Yes. <laughs> See, that's where we really do have to intertwine don't fingers. Reach out to me. I don't want you to touch intertwine me. Intertwine fingers. <laughs> One day. <laughs> anyway, so uh, welcome back. And we're going to we're gonna discuss body image today because I recently saw this amazing article online just to talk. I, I You know, it's funny. I've never seen an article like that. And I think this is a huge issue within the Asian American community. And especially for females. Um, like it's weird because we don't want to talk about a lot of things, Mm -hmm. (laughs) important things, but if it's to talk about something like very superficial and she, like the author, Jenny Chen, who wrote this article, she, she hit it right on the head. Like it's okay to say things about your, your weight or your eating habits or your skin. So on the one hand, I always get great, like these compliments. This is the only compliment people can find for me. It's like, Oh, you have really good skin, Vanessa. I'm like, thanks. And like, I mean, it's like a weird for me. Oh, I totally did this with someone's mom. Uh She complimented me on my skin and Uh I caught on pretty quickly that moms tell me this because I don't add up to their other expectations of like what is beautiful so i dismissed the compliment not not to her face Uh but later on like i was kind of like oh yeah asian moms always say that and she just i don't know i don't know it was a weird moment anyways so 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 anyway so i always get complimented on my skin right but then this one grandma at my church she came up to me one day and she was like you know you'd be really pretty if you weren't fat I was like, are you serious? Yeah. She For like real? full on said that. Oh my God. That's grandma? why it's, it's kind of like an embarrassing story, but like Chinese people are, <laughs> I just hit the pop screen into my mouth. Cause I wouldn't admit it to a pop tart. <laughs> um, doesn't look like that at all, but it was delicious. Sorry, John. Basically like you cannot talk about someone's drinking habits or someone's addictions or the, you know, uh, smoking or I don't know, just like things where like, they're like not, they're taboo within the culture. Mm -hmm. But if it's about like something, your body specifically, Mm -hmm. you can say that. Like I've never heard anything from my family, like something like that. Mm But um, definitely, yeah, I guess, I mean, she's the only one who's ever done that. But like, I've had people come up to me and say, your brother's hair is too long. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, as if, like, they don't know me, right. but they're, they feel like they can comment on that. Yeah. And I'm, I was really angry, actually. <laughs> I was less angry about the, the whole, like, pretty but fat comment. I was just like, well, all right. You know, you know, and I don't, you know, like 
it's more like the overt things are like easier to handle than the um uh-huh. the implied things uh-huh. so like the whole skin thing i'm just kind of like yeah 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 you know i don't i don't think i ever heard that i never heard someone tell me that they had nice skin but it's funny because like you know to sort of well i do have similar. nice skin can we, you do have nice skin. Can Vanessa. we just? Can we just? <laughs> let's establish that. That was in case people are wondering. That was spot on. That <laughs> that observation. Um, but for me, I mean, I don't think that my parents really do that too much. But um, you know, being raised in a largely Asian American slash Chinese American community, like other people's parents always did that to me like however much time passes i either look thinner or i look fatter you know oh like, they always mention yeah that. they always like like that's like oh april it's been so long you look blank you know really yeah other people's parents usually chinese people's parents although i you know my extended relatives do that too um, you know when it's been a while and they're like oh looks like you gained weight a little bit mm. or whatever you know and i kind of joke about it where like i kind of like time it like how much time does it take to get oh, them yeah. you know until they mention something like that right right and um i mean it doesn't help that like both of my sisters are like lean mm. and mean and svelte and pretty and stuff like that and so that's one of the reasons i kind of i'm not super jazzed about going to <laughs> events with extended family right. like i think that's one of the main reasons i didn't want to go back to the philippines for so long oh. even though i had every opportunity to but you know relatives who i never really even knew would like you know comment on stuff like that i remember being 10 years old and my sisters weren't there and some man who was probably some uncle oh <laughs> yeah know? one of the some uncles uncle of an uncle and he just kind of like stared at me and was like kind of like giving me the hairy eyeball and i don't think he spoke much english also but he was like will you eat you know what? like he didn't even like that was the conversation there was no leading up to it or anything like that like it was just like bam you know and i think like it's one of those things that i it's like i almost accept it and like i'm familiar with it but also there's something inside of me that's like i don't really want to like even acknowledge it and but i just kind of like shy away from or like avoid certain situations like that. Like yeah, where you have traveling to... to my parents' homeland, you know, like mm. when I should go, really, especially when I'm given the opportunity to, you know, um, at the very least as a vacation, you know. Um, but I just kind of like I don't like to. No, you know? absolutely. I it's 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 a weird thing. Like it's just it's just so prevalent because. Yeah. We're, we're, we're given license to talk about this one thing, but the other, uh, everything else is taboo. And it's not only just like you're given license, but you're like, you're allowed to judge other people, Mm -hmm. you know, like, it's just like, it's not only like, like a comparison for, you know, like how smart you are, how much money you're making. There's also this thing. And I think obviously like it happens in Western culture, Mm -hmm. but I think there's something a little insidious, um, about, the way that it's it's kind of perpetrated and you know we can talk a little bit about this later too but mm-hmm. definitely i feel like certain behaviors are encouraged by mm-hmm. moms mm-hmm. you know and um to to look a certain way or to mm-hmm. you know 
but um, let's let's open up the conversation to mm-hmm. our guest as Yay, well. Let's do and it. Enter, and into this serious moment. <laughs> Here, let's let's laugh into the moment, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, hey, everybody, we're gonna be introducing stuff, and actually, <laughs> yes, <Yay>! no, <laughs> it got really festive. <laughs> <laughs> Oh hey Steph. Didn't Hi. notice you there. <laughs> we were right. too we were too busy celebrating yeah, life. Party over there. That's how you gotta deal with negative body image, you know? Yeah. Well <laughs> I your own party. Yeah, it's, it is kind of like you have to like humorize, like humorize it. What? <laughs> like you had to like count down to the moment when somebody would be like say something about your right. body or image, whatever. Yeah. But um so Steph, um I met through my cousin, they are childhood friends, and um, now I'd like to count Steph as my friend. You're my friend now. <laughs> <laughs> I see you more than I see. Yeah, because she's far away. I've Kevin kept her away so that I can slowly steal all of Tracy's friends. <laughs> oh, Tracy's friend, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, they grew up together. Um, Steph has also helped me, like, kind of just connect, get connected with people in the mental health community, because um, that's where a lot of your work happens, right? A lot of your nonprofit work, uh, and we even just like r- will randomly see each other at mental health events. Like uh, Christina Wong was doing a, you know, a screening of her doc, and I was like, I like Christina Wong. She was part of my doc and then Steph was just there because she was part of the UCLA social work program at oh, the time. Cool. So, nice. Oh, wow. That was a long time ago. Yeah, it was about three or four years ago. But um, yeah, and, and I recently got to see her tell a story in front of a lot of people and it was <laughs> amazeballs. Like, I think like doing what we do like we're it's so anonymous like we're just like hidden behind <laughs> soundcloud or you know like itunes it. yeah yeah kind of that an- anonymity but like i Ooh. thought that was like really cool it's <laughs> good save with that no. word <laughs> go ahead okay <laughs> we'll find out later what that was um three years later maybe. <laughs> She's she's held grudges against me for three years. It's good. Oh. Three years and longer. <laughs> yeah. Well, the clock's still ticking on that one. <laughs> I'm not gonna watch it and run. I've decided. <laughs> April just died. Everybody. Um. Uh. So what was I gonna say? Yeah. And I got to see you at this um family reunion storytelling event, and it was all about body and sexuality. And I was like, Steph. Come on to buy a podcast. Yang thing? Yeah. Oh, nice. She she uh she gets all her friends together and they tell a story. And she said that she's gonna bring us on one day. Oh. She said so. that and then she said trust. <laughs> she Which, will. She kind of sealed the deal that way. I was like, yeah. oh no. She has excellent follow through. So. <laughs> I am totally convinced she's also an ENFJ. Like her organizational oh, yeah. skills must be off the hizzle. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think her email address is like Jenny at organizedbyjenny.com or something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 she bought that handle oh my gosh no one else could be as organized but organized by jenny <laughs> so uh stuff tell us a little bit about yourself like you know uh ethnic background and like just your context sure so i identify as i guess chinese vietnamese american uh born and raised in la very proud of that like you know, down the hill from Dodger Stadium, kind of LA. Frogtown. <laughs> Frogtown. Um, and then um, went to UC Santa Cruz, stayed there a little longer after college, moved back, and then got really into like API. Banana slugs? Oh, no. Okay. Oh. 
They're cool. I like banana seeds. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Cut off your flow. You got, you moved back and you got really involved with Asian uh, things. With, yes, with, um, you know, and actually, yeah, I want to be careful about not saying API if I don't mean API. With Asian American activism mm. and LGBTQ activism. Um, yeah, you know, because we use API a lot and it's, it's for solidarity, but often I think Pacific Islanders get made even more invisible under that label so, interesting yeah like we mean api but then we don't include pis sometimes so, yeah. yeah like they're not brought to the table yeah so thankfully we have one here all the time oh that's interesting so i don't think is this a filipino pacific islander I th- isn't that what they're referring to no, when they say Pacific like, Islander? They're like, aren't they like um, Hawaiian and Polynesian people? Oh. Samoan, oh. That's Pacific Islander. I got educated just now, guys. Yeah, Asian is uh, also, Filipino is also Asian. Oh, okay, you can be part of the... <laughs> I know, that's be a part of, interesting the diaspora. Part of the club. Yeah. I mean, it's all semantics, you know? Yeah. Mm. Okay, sorry, so... Um, getting involved in activism, yes. Um, yeah, uh, so it was like... You know, getting involved in the community, starting different like queer community groups, things like that, um, and then going to social work school where I saw you at that uh, Christina Wong event. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I spent some time working at a nonprofit that serves Asian and Pacific Islander survivors of domestic violence and sexual assault. Right. Um, and then I worked at the last job I was at, where I think I applied for a job there. Yeah, I'm trying to not say specific organization names in case anything comes up. <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I have no idea what could come up. Okay. I don't know. Just, yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, and then after that, I did some work uh, putting together trainings and educational materials on specifically how to reach out to Asian and Pacific Islander communities on issues of mental health. Right. Um, where we worked together. Um, and then now I'm... A counselor, and I'm doing counseling with children of all ages, and um, I love it. I love it so much. Oh, is it? Well, I feel like you still get to do some of that macro level work with equal action, but then is it kind of like, is that where you find you get the most flow? Have you heard of flow? Like, like the most enjoyment out of something challenging, like in doing counseling, like one-on-one? Well, I do counseling. I do individual and group. My favorite is when it's sort of like in between micro and macro kinds of social work, if people are familiar with that, where um, you're not just like sitting in that room one on one, but you're also able to like work with those people outside of the counseling room, Mm. maybe um, in a community organizing context or um, feeling like I can create change with them and help them change the conditions that make their lives the way they are as opposed to just, you know, that traditional counseling. Yeah, less like not just talk, but also like concretely uh, community action, right? Yeah, helping to like change the the systems that affect their lives. Yeah, specifically, I guess equal action is something that's a very good example of that. Can you tell us a little bit about equal action? Yeah, so me and some friends were really um, active during the non-prop eight uh, movement in you know two thousand eight in California and. Um, we'd be at all the marches and we'd notice that folks like us, um, people of color and also like youth, like the people that we worked with were there and, and loud, um, but not in the leadership Mm. and that, you know, the issue of marriage, although important, 
um, is sort of the last thing you're thinking about if you're like uh, a youth who's getting kicked out of their home or mm. is right uh-huh. feeling suicidal, things like that. Right. Wow. Um, so then we decided to create Equal Action, and we put together Ellie's first queer high school youth march, and we um, it was mostly youth of color, and we very intentionally marched starting in Chinatown and going through Olvera Street and then ending at City Hall mm-hmm. um, in order to engage communities of color. And then since then, we've been doing Outspoken Sessions, which is a open mic and safe space for trans and queer youth um, and adults. And that is every other month. Next one on May 8th. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> well, what, when, you, when you talk about people of color, was it important to um, really emphasize that for equal action? or? Yeah, we wanted to have a very intersectional approach because we saw that you know, when people were talking about gay rights, it was so easy by default for that to be rich gay men's rights. Mm-hmm. Um, so in order to make sure that we can be our whole selves, I can be queer, Asian American, um, you know, from like a a lower income background, all those things at the same time and all those issues can get worked on. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in the past we've worked with youth on issues like car wash workers rights, Mm -hmm. immigrant rights, things Mm -hmm. like that to make sure that, um, we're, we're connecting all those dots. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Very cool. Well, um, do you have a, a story that you'd like to share in terms of like, being confronted with the way that Asian Americans think about body image or... Yeah, Vanessa really raved about that, so I'm really interested. Oh, man. <laughs> well, well, I think we can work up to that story, but, like, even just a little anecdote where, like, mm. this is how you knew what you were supposed to look like. Oh, yeah. Well, I think growing up, uh, like, in middle school, my aspiration was... Um, to look like an import car show model. That was like, that, <laughs> that was... that's the most powerful Asian woman I see in my life. Wow. I'm going to work towards that. I'm going to have my midriff showing platform shoes. I can't even imagine. Makeup. Oh, yeah. That's why I'm such a strong feminist now. I went the other way Were so you far. Like, <laughs> were you like hood rat, hood rat, hooch mama? Like, I was. I oh, was. Yes. Wait, was, were those definitely the images that you saw growing up in terms of like Asian female, like beautiful Asian females? Yeah. And what people were telling I you, this is beautiful? Yeah, you know, and like part of misogyny is valuing so much the way men or young boys around you think. So seeing that that's who they thought was hot and of value. Yeah, for oh, sure. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which is why I'm always like always floored when Stephanie tells me these things. I'm like, what? <laughs> uh, there is a disconnect in my mind. <laughs> well, like, I think this is that it's a great lead up in terms of, you know, the story that you kind of briefly shared on Thursday, if you're ready for that. But, you know, like it has all those elements of like, well, what is power and what is beauty and, you know, what is attractive, I think, you know, so. T- tell me, I mean, let's, 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 let's start a little bit earlier than that. Like, so you, you talked about in middle school, like you wanted to be, you wanted to look like an, um, an import car, <laughs> car show model. Car show model. Yes. Uh-huh. And now let's, let's fast forward to college, mm-hmm. right? Where you've gone through high school, you've gone, you're in college in like a completely different atmosphere. Would you say that your, your views on what was beautiful and what it meant to be beautiful for you had changed by then? Yeah, for sure. Um, I had like stopped wearing as much makeup. I was at UC Santa Cruz, so I was like, how am I going to fit in with all these white liberals? So (laughs) I was like, you know, sort of granola-y, but um, it was like this just very corrupted understanding of what feminism meant and Uh um, things like that. So, And I lived in a queer dorm, but I was just like 
taking the philosophy like sexual freedom and sexual exploration um, in a really ugly way. Um, also, you can't say sex on this podcast because it's Asian American. We don't talk about <laughs> we don't talk about sex on this podcast. The end. Okay, continue. I don't think I can tell that story. <laughs> no, you, you can only say duality. <laughs> what was it? Duality. No, duality. So take the word sex. Oh, duality. <laughs> Intercourse. <laughs> Scientific. <laughs> Those words actually sound worse than sex, for sure. Like coupling. <laughs> the biblical no. Um, yeah, to know yes. No. Oh, my. I can this try pod- to use that. <laughs> it, this, this podcast got real, real fast. Um, I'm sorry. So you're talking about, well, you even said a corrupted view of sexuality. Yeah, what is that? Um, okay, so how I explained it during the storytelling show was that what what I called the type of like women's empowerment that I was believing in at the time was like a girl's gone wild kind of empowerment. Uh-huh. Um, so what that meant to me was like, again, I saw pow- what I perceived to be women who were wielding power in mm-hmm. the world in girls gone wild videos. Okay, <laughs> like um, what was that show on E? Like late night, there was that woman who now does like those Skechers commercials. She used to have that show in the in. I don't know. Anyway, 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 but what it was, was like it, it was like it was about like partying in Ibiza and in different places. Whoa. Anyway, okay, was it like Bad Girls Club or something like that or? No, it was like know. just like people partying in bikinis. And, okay, yeah, that kind oh, of. Thing. Okay, go on. Anyway, so um, it felt like oh, to be like sexually free and powerful as mm. a woman is to um like be naked a lot and stripping like you know and and i I think that's a complicated issue i'm not saying that strippers aren't powerful or are just victims or things like that Mm but um that's that's what i saw as powerful like women who could gain power by using their sexuality Uh and that's the only way that could be done right Uh that's what i thought so um so you know i was in this storm where people i think were being authentically sexually free and exploring themselves and had positive understandings of who they were. Um, whereas I was still trying to fulfill what, you know, these weird perceptions, these weird stereotypes of what a woman should be. Um, yeah. I don't, where, what were you asking me? Where was I going so, with this? So after college though, that's when you kind of like got involved with, um, some of those co- communities or like you, you, I don't want to tell your story because you, but you were well, talking about the conventions and stuff. Yeah, that was during college. Oh, so that's during Thankfully, college. Thankfully, yeah, it was far enough back in my past that I can finally talk about it and be slightly less embarrassed. Um, <laughs> Just slightly, though. Yes. Yeah, so the story that Vanessa was referring to is um, this was after my first year of college and I was back home in LA and uh you know this is after just feeling like oh I just opened my mind and I'm all these new things now and um my friends and I decided to go to the porn convention at the LA convention center have you been to the porn convention no but I always see the billboards and I was like (laughs) hmm I wonder if I should go there (laughs) that would be interesting yes definitely interesting (laughs) Yeah, so I uh, mean, like it was like a, a big gang of people were there, and men and women. Yeah, men and women, like friends from college, friends from high school, whatnot. Um, and 
It was like uh, Tara Patrick, who was a big porn star uh-huh. at the time, a big Asian porn star. She was there signing like my friends' pictures and things like that. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like I bought my first dildo, like that kind of experience. <laughs> and then, um, me and my friend uh, shared a lap dance, and it was like a lap dance in the middle of the convention. So <laughs> the unsexiest thing possible. It was so not intimate. Like she was so just like dancing. I don't know, like not into it. And we were so cheap, so we were sharing this little chair <laughs> that's the asian way yeah, it's like asian and in college of course that's gonna happen that's awesome. um but the thing i remember most from that porn convention was when my friend and i of course loving girls gone wild this is before internet was like super big and you could get amateur porn so easily so mm-hmm. girl it was like all about girls gone wild right mm-hmm. so my friend and i saw the girls gone wild table and we were like oh let's go get free t-shirts and um you know, the guy there was like, oh, well, you have to flash to get a t-shirt. And we're like, oh, we'll kiss. And he's like, no, you have to flash. Really? Yeah. And it was super creepy and gross because he's just like a regular looking guy. Like, you know, all the women there like put so much effort into yeah. how they look. But all the guys are just like t-shirts, <laughs> frumpy looking. <laughs> like, so unfair. So unfair. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was like, you know, thinking about whether I should flash and possibly end up in a Girls Gone Wild video. <laughs> Um, when all these creepy men started like circling our, the booth because uh-huh. they like heard someone was possibly going to flash and they started pulling out their cameras. <gasps> oh my gosh. Yeah, so that felt really creepy and weird and I didn't know what to think of that, but we didn't flash. Uh-huh. We didn't end up getting t-shirts. Um, they so they did get another thing though. Yes, what our friends and I did get was a big stack of Spearmint Rhino coupons for oh, okay. free admission and free lap dances. Um, so this, you know, the story is about like me, uh, and my friends spending all summer at Spearmint Rhino, (laughs) all of our summer break, um, until there was this one specific time that was really weird where, you know, we get there and, you know, we sit right around the front of the stage like we normally do. And I'm, I'm wearing like this lingerie that I found in my mom's underwear drawer. Because <laughs> yes. I'm, you know, being sexy like the strippers or whatnot. Um, and then this, like, Asian stripper comes out, and she's performing, and, of course, she sees me. I'm the only woman around the team. I'm also, like, young and Asian, so she's like, yeah, I'm going to make lots of money. <laughs> incorporate you into my performance. And I'm all into it, and she's, like, dancing on me. And, and then she, like... Um, she like fingers the strap of my lingerie top and I'm like, ooh, this is going to get so sexy. <laughs> and then she looks into my eyes and she's like, what are you wearing? What is going on? Why is this stripper judging my clothes? <laughs> Suddenly it's like, thanks, mom. Yeah! <laughs> I did not come here for this. I don't feel empowered. <laughs> oh, man. And then it got more confusing when... Another patron sitting a couple seats down trying to hand me some money. <laughs> I, was, I was just very confused. So that's, that was the end of. Yeah, it's an amazing story. Yeah. yeah. The days of Spearmint Rhino over. Yes, yeah. And I've been embarrassed to talk about that time in my life. But I'm like, you know, I'm 31 now. I've been in the community active long enough. I'm not that person anymore. I feel like it was okay a different that. time yeah. for sure. Wow. I think we could end our podcast. I'm <laughs> just like, that's it, guys. There's nothing that's going to beat that.
you know, like I blame it on Allie McBeal. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've been called Lucy Lou on the street before. What? Well, that's just yeah. racist. Yeah, it's racist. <laughs> it's and like calling Asian dude in a basketball jersey Jeremy Lin <laughs> or Yao Ming back then. Oh my gosh! So you had these like, you know, corrupted ver- visions of what <laughs> feminism was. Like, so how did that change? Like, mm. was it was that like a marking event where? Yes. Okay. Yeah, not that I processed it right away, but just like little things like that would happen where I'm like, you know, there's a cognitive dissonance between uh-huh. like what I think I should be feeling and what I was actually feeling. Right. Um, you know, I think the more I was at Santa Cruz and, you know, uh, reading about um, what feminism actually was and, like, being called out by people in my life, which was really important, um, that helped me to understand more. Um, and, well, also, I think part, and part of it was, like, throughout college, really trying to um, find value in being, like, a hot Asian American young woman. Mm. Really? Yeah. And because of that, sort of like being with this white guy for like four years. Um, and not that he was contributing to that so much, but that was like part of the image for me, right? Mm. Part of feeling like I was being exotified the way I should, valued <laughs> for the things I'm supposed to be valued for. Right. So. Being a hot young Asian American woman. Yeah. Cause that's where my power was. I think at some point I was just finally ready. Um, to like see how bad my self-worth was Mm. um and to really reflect on those things and just having awesome like other women of color in my life um and we were all like sort of reading like alice walker and (laughs) you know just different awesome um, women of color around the same time and then moving back to la um i i think not feeling like i had to fit into certain things as much because i was back home in la oh so Um, there was a comfort in kind of being home and yeah and being around people who understood me Mm. so you know I think you know of course you're you're finding yourself a lot in college Mm -hmm. but coming from LA where you know there are people who looked like you everywhere and lots of diversity and then going to Santa Cruz and not feeling understood or really seen in those ways I think that that made things harder we're like um I think it's almost like a 180 though to like to see where you are in terms of that. So do, would you say it was like gradual or would you say like as soon as you got back from college, there was this about face where you turned towards activism and then, you know, help channel those good feelings kind of outwards? Maybe both. I mean, that unlearning takes forever. It takes so many years and is still happening. Right. But um, yeah, I think coming back to L.A. made me feel like, oh, I can... I can start again and figure out who I really am again, you know, keep trying. And um, I think being around um, old friends and being able to have like really good conversations about feminism with like, say, my, my current partner who wasn't my partner then, um, those things helped me realize um, who I really was inside and w- what direction I really wanted to take. Yeah, well, how, how do you think... <sighs> I'm trying to formulate a question in my mind and it's working slowly, but I'm I'm curious, like even having, you know, like a partner like Kimler, like how does that contribute to your view of yourself and also Mm. kind of like body image even, you know, like how do you guys work that out? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I think that probably a lot of like Asian American women who are attracted to men might have these questions about themselves, but 
I think, you know, there's a, there's a feeling like, like say when I was with that like tall white guy, like, oh, I get to feel so feminine because mm-hmm. like, I'm so small mm-hmm. compared to this person. And, you know, so like all those Asian stereotypes of how effeminate and dainty we are. Um, but then being like with someone who is Asian and like closer to my height and in society's eyes would be seen as less, less macho. I had to like challenge that more. And then also being with someone who is maybe less gender non-conforming that maybe had maybe made me have to question, does that make me less feminine hmm. or is it okay? Even if I'm masculine sometimes in our relationship, mm-hmm. um, I think also just Kimler being a very just safe person and mm. a person who comes from a similar background from me, then we have that like automatic understanding of certain oppressions and how they've played out in our lives and things like that. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool to hear. Cause I think, I think that's what's hard, right? It's like first in isolation, you have to figure out how you view yourself. And then when you bring your own identity mm. into the world, mm-hmm. like how does that work itself out? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, but uh, I guess like, you know, April, like, how do you feel like your own body image has changed over the years? Or even if it hasn't, I mean, like, I don't think mine has like altered drastically, but I don't know if I, I think about it very often consciously. Does that make sense? I don't, I don't think that I do either. And that makes me feel very stupid. No. <laughs> I don't know, like, <laughs> what do you, what do you mean? I mean, like that you, that know, you like, wish I, you did I, or I, what? that you wish you did or gosh I just I honestly just don't know like I don't think about it that much and yet I think I think about it all the time you know I think like these are the different levels at which I think of body image (laughs) at one point like or at some points in the day yeah I think that's normal to like always walk around and like be pick a random woman you see and compare your body to theirs, you know, mm. yeah. or like see a picture of a someone in a magazine and be like, I could be like that if I just starved myself, blah blah blah, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then at other moments, like I, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't have any mature thoughts about this. Like, mm. I guess okay. because that's one part that I, I don't know. Maybe it means that I, I feel, I'm, I'm at a loss about it. I just don't know how to think about it or how to like accept myself or whatever, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think we talked about this in the, another uh, podcast where like when I do feel like down on myself about how I look, I kind of just have to be like, look, you just got to accept yourself mm. for however you look, you know, is that the right thing? <laughs> is that the right answer? Is that a good answer? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I mean, I, I admittedly don't think about body image either because it's just easier not to. Yeah. Like it's easier to just kind of exist as if, well, that's the world standard. And but wait, what's my standard? And to not examine what that is, because I think yeah. like you can go through life and like reject certain conventions, but then you're not devoid of anything. Mm-hmm. You, you you don't you can reject something, but you're still you have to still fill that a hole with something, an opinion of something. Mm-hmm. And if, if it goes unexamined, then yeah. there's that, you know? And <clears throat> I think that's one reason why, like, I think I get really like high horsey about like, or very proud of I, what is my smarts and my brains and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I, I don't think I'm particularly intelligent, like super intelligent person or anything, but I just like, that's what I'm proud of. And that's what I like think about. And when I think, Cause then I'm not proud of the other thing, you know, mm. like I always think of 
especially in like small nuclear families where you have like a direct person <laughs> like who shares your genes who does or does not share your genes to compare yourself against you know uh. it's like that's their thing but that's not my thing my thing is like intellect and like you mm-hmm. know achievements and all you know stuff like that yeah I don't know. Dude, I mean, my... It's a hard topic. Like, I don't... Is there any answer? I don't know if there's any answer. I feel like there's no right answer. Like, I feel like what I'm hearing right now is, like, whatever... However way you address it in your own life, it's just... It's shitty either way. Like, for me, I feel like I think about it all the time. But for me, that means, like, having to actively challenge things all the time in my head. Like, that's really tiring. tiring. And it's totally understandable to not even want to try and then like either way it's shitty that we yeah. have to deal with this right women, you know yeah yeah That's no no, no. well and, and it. it's like for most of your life you're given a grid you know you're given this understanding of what it's supposed to be and i mean like g- growing up next to my sister like like um she believed that clothes made the man mm-hmm. and i just i couldn't i and i rejected that openly literally i mean like she said She's that talking about men and the way they dress. No, no, no. Oh. Like, like, uh, the meta, like that saying, like uh-huh. how you dress is uh-huh. who you are. How you present yourself. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh-huh. And so I couldn't, I couldn't live like that, but I also feel like I lived like the other way where I was like, la la la. I'm so ignorant of how people think of me, but I am very self-conscious in other ways of how people think of me. But like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, I don't know, like, I've, I've tried to be more conscious of what I wear and like Great how outfit, I, Vanessa. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing my coral pants. Um, <laughs> coral. Um, but uh, you know, like, uh, you know, like I'm still uncomfortable in skirts, you know? And yeah. so there's a sense of my femininity that I like, don't have a strong sense yeah. of like what it means to be a, f- uh, a feminist or, a f- or feminine yeah. or, you know, those words that we toss around a lot, like, and, and whose definition you choose to embrace and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I, I mean, um, and it's, it's weird because I've just been around, like, I, I've always had like one really tall, pretty friend in yeah. my group of friends. And so you just kind of like, well, I'm never going to compare to that. So I can't even try. And so you, you're left kind of feeling like less than, and then, and then you embrace other things. Mm-hmm. But for me, I feel like I went like way too far in trying to be strong mm-hmm. and independent mm-hmm. and not like feel like I need anybody else. And so that made me less vulnerable as a person. Mm-hmm. Like I don't like to cry in front of people. Right. And so like, I embrace things that like, you know, like I don't want to be the damsel in distress, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be on the side of the road going, I can't change my tire, yeah. you know. And then, like, if you can or not can't, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> you know, like, that's up to you. Yeah. <laughs> I think you should also learn. You, you know what kind of woman I feel attracted to? And you can interpret that however you want. <laughs> is a woman who just, like, D-G-A-F, you know, like, doesn't give a mm-hmm. fuck, like, at all. Like, those are, I'm just so magnetized to women like that. I feel that usually they're lesbians, <laughs> but, you know, may or may not be the case. Um, but, like, people who are not living in those set of societal norms, you know, right. who just completely doesn't ca- they don't care. They don't care how they look or what they wear or who, you know, su- I, suppressing certain parts of their personality to be more um, attractive in, you know, whoever's eyes, like who are just themselves, like 100%. And it's so like, so attractive and so like magnetizing to me. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Working off that, I think, 
um, one thing that's helped me a lot when it comes to body image and how we define like femininity or masculinity is being so grateful to feel like um, part of queer community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's complicated for me because, you know, I'm with a male. I'm obviously like straight passing. I'm cisgender. But um, I get to be part of a queer community where there are folks who have had to like address these issues way earlier in their lives mm-hmm. because it, they couldn't pass in any way. So they had right. to be like, fuck it. I'm yeah. going to come up with my own way of expressing myself. I'm going to define right. my own femininity, my own masculinity. Right. I think having those models has been really helpful for me. And even being like, you know, after like feeling like I needed to be really made up and um, conform to certain ideals for women going like the opposite way and like being really granola-y and not wanting to care how I look, but then being around queer women who were like, well, I care how I look and I'm high femme. Um, yeah. and it's like for me that yeah. I put on makeup. It's right. for me that I wear mm. high heels yeah. or it's for my female partner. Yeah. You know, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. it can be so much more complicated and right. so beautiful and freeing when I think like, Oh, we yeah. can just come up with this ourselves. Right. Not that it's easy, yeah. but, um, that's helped me a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I re- I really like, um, it when I, don't know, I think there's so much suppression and I feel like I almost feel, I guess I don't look at myself so much or maybe I do, but right now I'm thinking about other people like friends I have who are women and I just feel like their existence, there's just, it's just so suppressed, you know? And like, mm. there's so many awesome, strong, so many awesome, strong things about them, but they don't want to show that because they don't want to seem not feminine they don't want to seem bossy they don't want to seem whatever negative way that that can be interpreted you know when it's like if you could just like just be free and be yourself that's just so much better than you know whatever version you know you have sort of come down to but yeah and I think like whenever there are people around who are who are free I like that Mm. Well, like, just quickly kind of bringing you back to, like, an Asian American context, too. Like, what what was, what was were those definitions for you? Like, like, what did it mean to be a strong woman? Or what did it mean to be, like, an Asian American female? Like, and how did that kind of start? And how has it changed for you guys? Anybody want to take this one? Uh, Asian American? Yeah, yeah, kind well, of like... Sorry, could you ask the question again? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so, like, uh, just kind of um, referencing back to culturally, like, these, um, I use the word grid or whatever, but, like, also these standards that were given, you know, like, what what were those standards? And, you know, like, for me, I was very ultra-conscious of how I didn't and how I did meet up to them, like, being thin. And then you didn't have to be tall, but you also had to be fair-skinned, and you had to be... Um, quiet yeah and submissive and and it's weird that we think those are stereotypes but they're they're real cultural things that are kind of like you know like I definitely hung out with friends who like laughed behind their hand (laughs) and I think that's subconscious yeah and you're like wait a second why is it what is it like you know like whereas I'm a much more boisterous person it seems like all three of us are (laughs) (laughs) yes I laugh way too loud um but you know I think like Thankfully for the way that I was raised and um, how my parents and I wanted to raise us, we, I don't think that we ever really um, were given those messages mm-hmm. of like femininity. I think mm. we were raised hyper-masculine. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to talk about traditional ideals of masculinity and femininity being like, you know, in charge or whatever and um, tough and self-sufficient and um, strong. But I think... I think that those um, ideals sort of came socially, you know, from like 
friends or media. Yeah. I don't think that it was it came from my family. Yeah, no, I think I'd, I'd have to agree with that. Or at least it didn't come from my immediate family. In mm-hmm. fact, like, I feel like we went the other way where everybody was encouraged to eat all the time. <laughs> it's like, we, we love each other by making each other eat too much. Um, you know, and also like this idea of like very being an independent thinker, like, like if you make a decision, make sure that you thought it through yeah. and thought through it carefully and with research and stuff like that and not, and be responsible for those decisions after that. Yeah. So, you know, in that sense, and it was definitely like, from you know the context of that whether it was school or church or like you know like there was definitely a better like a certain way of being but then what was disturbing after that was in college finding out all these girls who had eating disorders oh yeah and how um that's what i was kind of uh, referencing earlier is just like culturally like a lot of our friends were encouraged to have like just you know stop eating you know like and You know, and, and just to get into those unhealth, unhealthy kind of habits that really uh, like kind of tore their bodies apart. And I didn't know how prevalent it was. Mm. I just had no idea. Like it floored me. And I think that was my ignorance, though. Like I just I was just so unaware because I was a culturally encouraged. Like, yeah. Eating disorder. And I was because I was just like so focused in on not feeling bad <laughs> that I didn't meet <laughs> theirs. But the things that they were doing or putting themselves through to like feel that they fit in like that was also problematic and it's like it's their parents telling them these things that's that's what was the most disturbing and sad to me i was just like how could they do that to you but you know like but they're also just passing on some of their own Mm -hmm. ways of being and so you know um i don't know like at least for now like as i'm growing up and like um and and seeing yeah women who are strong and like having these wonderful examples of like Jenny and Christina who like I just put out there because they're comics and they're funny and I mm-hmm. think comedy is hard in general and like to be able to laugh about the the stuff that we go through is hard mm-hmm. to like turn our circumstances into humor but there's other you know like I'm getting connected into communities that like where like you know like there's such Steph being one of them it's just like strong activist women who mm-hmm. like are channeling their anger and things like that into like good places or people who are learning to talk about those things. So I think like that's helped me kind of shift like, and, and feel validated in a way for being someone who like will speak out about things. You know, I think even just being a female in like a male dominant society, it's like, you know, there's something called, uh, I think it's gaslamping or gaslighting. Have you heard of that term where like a man kind of just dismisses your opinion and like, like, and, and, and it could be females who also perpetrate that, but because you said something that you thought with, had authority and then they're like, well, I don't really think that's true. And you're like, oh, maybe you're right. You know, it's like this undermining that happens. So like, I'm just more aware of in, even in conversations like that we have that. Oh, remember the Jeopardy story that I told a while back? Oh yeah. <laughs> it was like, she's not going to win. She's an Asian American woman. I was yeah. like, where did that come from? Like, yeah. I'm so far from that, yeah. but there's also ways that I still feel like, um, like even when you're talking about women who like DJF, mm-hmm. like I'm still s- kind of like worried about shameless people. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? People who like live without shame. Do you, is shame important to you? 
Shame is important in the sense that it's it's part of who I am, am and that I've decided who not I who I am. <laughs> ham and eggs. Um, I will not eat your green eggs and ham, Sam. I am. Um, but it's sh- it's important that it's it's a it's it's a part of my identity that I don't want to expunge, but that I want to deal with healthily. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, because it's it's too easy just to say shame is like a load of hooey and like try to kick it out the door but it's like trying to remove your arm really like ah oh, this arm sucks Ugh. i'm trying to like take it out <laughs> sorry that was really vivid uh, i'm just trying to cut my arm off with my hand um it just wasn't working but you know like and so like learning to function with like an arm that's full of shame, <laughs> you know, and, and, and figuring out what are healthy ways of having shame, because what is shame essentially? Like it's just being others aware, but then shame, shame can be debilitating. I don't think that shame is others aware. I think that being aware of others is being aware of others and shame is a different thing. Sh- okay. And you might be conflating the two. Okay. You're right. Yeah, I think, you, okay. Okay. Uh, shame is being aware of others opinions of you and then letting it what's well, like affect behavior right yeah well and it's like being aware of other people's like negative opinions right yeah it's the you know it's not like oh feeling good you know but and it's not just negative opinions it's also like societal conventions or things like that and um also uh i'm not ignoring you i'm gonna look something up right now yeah yeah, yeah. but it's also about character versus behavior right it's like it's it's about it's a reference to identity versus an uh a reference to things that you do where like guilt is okay external so based. having shame is like um like it makes you like um, a good person so like modest or like um i'm trying to understand because i'm sort of in like the fuck shame camp Mm, yeah, shame I get you. Shame is a painful feeling of hum- humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. Okay. I, I think, like, I guess when I speak about shame, I'm thinking of cultural shame mm. and um, why shame exists in the Asian American culture. And as someone who made a documentary on <laughs> silence and shame, like, I'm, like, hyper aware of how much it's hurt people. Yeah. Like... It's just, it's just, you know, like, cause we're shamed to feel, you know, less than all the time. And, and it's, it's in order to make you act a certain way and to fit something, you know? Um, and I think that saying that shame is something that's a part of the Asian American culture and we should reject that part of Asian American culture is too broad for me, you yeah. know? I think, yeah, I just, it's hard. It's hard not to want to vilify those things that make us Asian American. Because, yeah. like, if you think about what differentiates us from, like, white Americans or things yeah. like that, shame is not necessarily, shame. like, shame comes in a different part and parcel for them, you know? I hear you. I feel like... I feel like what you're getting at is something I was thinking about when we were talking about um, body image and ideals of women. And I feel like when, like the cultural shame you're talking about comes from the fact that we're collectivist culturally, mm. collectivist in nature, which is like beautiful, that mm-hmm. we're family oriented and um, 
all the good things that that comes with. So then I think about like, oh, well, so what happened? Why, why do we get these ideals put in us? Because then, say my parents would tell me about how, like when they were growing up, if you were bigger or fatter, that meant you were rich. Mm-hmm. People wanted to marry you, you know, like right. that was a thing. Um, but now we have these like Western ideals imposed upon us. So then now we're purporting those, but in an Asian way of being like, oh, well, like it's so it's not excusable and it's really ugly that it comes out in those ways of like oh you're fat you've gained weight but that it's of like a i care about our family and i want you to be able to get married because that's survival which isn't like relevant Mm, in in, our context in our context yeah i feel like that's why that happens you know so so i can understand what you mean that it's complicated and that we can't just like throw it away yeah Yeah, that's that's a way better articulation of kind of what i meant in terms of like that collectivist group kind of culture. And obviously like that's not always the way to be either too, but not like completely acting without regard for others, you know, like without loyalty or without, you know, so, but I think everybody has to go through that moment of I have rejected shame Yeah, because you can't, you can't, you can't, like move forward in your life I think until you have like and then, like I'm not saying that you should ever go back to wanting shame because then it's like oh well I need shame in order to know how to live my life and like no no you don't need that actually yeah <laughs> you know you don't I mean you know I mean like and, and it's it's my weird way of like expressing like well I also don't reject reject regret like April like just like I want to live my life without regret, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, regret is like, I think like the way that I want regret in my life is different because it helps me act differently. It's like a way of remembering past mistakes. But I think like in, 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 in the way that you live your life, you're like, well, I, I make mistakes and then I don't want to regret that I made that mistake because I've learned from it. Does that make sense? I guess so. We just, I, I think mean, we, I, 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 I hesitate to say, I think that I talk a big talk sometimes and I certainly do have regrets, you know, and I well, certainly sure. do have shames, shameful, whatever. Nope. Just more than one, more than one shame. <laughs> I have many shames. Multiples. Um, but I think that I, I, I try to, um, to see my choices as, um, a culmination of my experiences, you know, and a combination of that and who I am. And so I don't want to regret things because that might say that I, I wasn't who I was supposed to be at that time, mm. you know? And I, I think I always want to be secure and say like, whoever I am now is who I am now, you know? And um, I don't wish I was somebody else or I don't wish because then I just would be a completely different person. You know, it's like erasing myself, um, saying that I didn't want this to happen. Well, that happened because, you know, whatever. Not that I I don't think that there are mistakes that I've made, you know, that there certainly are. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. No. I like like talking about now. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, it, it became one of those moments where we were like, specific topic, now we're here. So much bigger. I, I don't know. What about for you? Yeah, I think um, when you were talking, it made me think about I, ha- I have a lot of these conversations in my head about, oh, what does it mean to, like, how do we value the things we come from while addressing the things that hurt us? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, okay, if I think about shame, yeah, I can see how it can be useful. And it's like, 
when when should it be used what what is a good thing that we should apply shame to mm, like say right. when people are being sexist people should feel ashamed right but yeah. it's like we shouldn't feel ashamed if we have short hair or you know or a certain height or weight you know like short noses yeah like like things that shouldn't matter you know like mm. or like i think about how collectivism is really useful in all little ways, but then there's like the yucky stuff, like oh, everyone knows your business, mm-hmm. and people gossip about you, and yeah. you, or you know, it's hard to like not fit in and things like that. So how can we like take the good of collectivism, um, or even the good of individualism, you know, like how can we apply it in ways that are helpful to us? So the immigrants' kids have a lot of obligation, guilt, and responsibility to um, please their parents. Not necessarily to have good communication with their parents, not necessarily to um, have a good relationship with their parents, but just not to disappoint the parents. Hi everyone, this is Vanessa. You just heard an excerpt from my doc, The Laundromat, a personal exploration of the silence and shame in Asian American culture. If you'd like to contribute your story or learn more about the doc, visit atthelaundromat.com. That's A-T-T-H-E laundromat with an O dot com. Or visit our Facebook page for the Laundromat documentary. Thanks. Well, how about even specifically like ways that you've um, or ways that you think, you know, Asian American culture talks about femininity or being a woman. What are some positives I think um, what's helped me is like reframing it like, um, are you all familiar, familiar with the concept of womanism? It's like something Alice Walker came up with specifically to talk about what she feels is like the type of women's empowerment that comes natural to African-American society, mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, she characterized it somehow as like, you know, sort of like in like the sassiness of like, um, like, a, a, like a little black girl, mm-hmm. like and, and hearing that made me see like, oh, you know, my mom is actually pretty badass. Mm-hmm. Um, like even though society has made me think that she's not because she's like an immigrant woman, you know, all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, but she like holds it down, like just, you know, she's had to, she was a refugee, all the things that she's had to go through, Mm. um, and the way that she cares herself and does things. And I'm like, yeah, even if she doesn't know what feminism is or calls herself a feminist, Uh like that's inherent in my family, you know? Mm. So trying to reframe it and see it that way. No, that makes complete sense. Um, what, what do you think? She, I mean, like, obviously, you know, immigrant and, and refugee. What are some things that when, when she came to America that she had to hold down that you're like, I don't know how she did that. When she came to America, I mean, I, I think so much about all the things she did in even coming here. Like, so she came with my dad and his sisters and his aunt, but they would all get seasick. So she had to, like, take care of everyone you know, while they're sleeping on the sand in a hut made of banana leaves, you know, Mm -hmm. at a refugee camp, like, um, you know, she had to go gather the food for everyone because everyone was sick. She had like a two-year-old child and had to like hold the baby, you know, as they were sleeping, had to like keep the baby up so it doesn't, so she wouldn't be on the cold sand. And then coming here, just having to survive here, like I can't imagine having to move to another country in my early mid-20s where like no one respects me, where I don't speak the language, Um, where I was forced to go. I couldn't even prepare, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And then her, like, throughout her life for um, maybe, like, 20 years working at the post office and then deciding, I'm going to quit this and try out real estate and making Mm -hmm. a big 
career change, which is very... That's amazing. Yeah, which is different from, like, the, oh, well, you know, this is stable. Let's just survive. Like, her having the courage to do that also, you know, made her be supportive of me when I wanted to make career changes in my life. So just that kind of stuff. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. April? (laughs) Do we have any reframing stories? Like, just... Like, in terms of, like, ways that we were presented with Asian American, how to, how to be an Asian American woman that, like, in retrospect, like, we want to, like, grasp hold of those things. Um, well, I, you know, like I said, like, the way that uh, my sisters and I were raised was, you know, not really adhering to traditional notions of, of femininity. Um, and so I think that... Um, uh, I guess to reframe that, <laughs> I mean, I think it's a pretty good message to begin with, you know, but sort of to reframe that, I think that at least in, you know, we're talking about context and, you know, it's not so much about survival anymore. And so a lot of times with like, um, my parents and my sisters, like it just immediately goes f- from zero to 60, like fight, like, you know, like when something they're not, they feel like they're being judged or mistreated because of their race or their gender they like fight Mm. like fast you know Mm. and sometimes like I think that that's real cool you know and like they aren't to be messed with but at the same time sometimes I think there's another way to work through this this conflict or this Mm. issue that's not necessarily like to be belligerent or um you know I mean to each his own but I had to learn a lot from my friends you know in the past decade of how like sort of conflict resolution (laughs) that doesn't have to deal with like, you know, you, you are racist. (coughs) You're sexist. It's because I'm Asian. It's because I'm a woman, you know, like in zero in like two seconds, like, you know, that's, that's what's happening right now. And yeah, I'm going to tell you and you're going to hear about it, you know? Um, and they might as they might, you know, have been right about that. But um, I learned from my friends who, particularly my one friend who is an Asian American woman, and she is like, you know, she had gotten like some some uh, food had like her order had been wrong or something like that. And I was already getting really tense and like, what's going to happen? Because in the past, it's always like a fight and yelling. But she was just kind of like, you know, she had a smile on her face, but she's very firm. And she was like, I don't think that this is what I, what I ordered. And, you know, can you like help me find out what's wrong with this or something like that? And I don't know if that's, I think that that's like something that I really want to learn how to do because I don't think that I, I, I know how to do that. And so Mm. like, for me, it's like either fight or like, just be like, okay, accept it, you know? And a lot of times I just accept it because I don't want to get into a fight. I don't want a confrontation and I'll just be like, oh, it doesn't really matter. I like this food also, (laughs) even if it's the wrong thing, you know? And I, I don't think it's necessarily tied to, to gender, but I mean, you could, those are just two examples I have in my life of, this Asian American woman and then this other Asian American woman and different ways of dealing with Mm. perceived slights or, or um, prejudices. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think a lot about how, cause I, I do feel like, you know, I grew up, uh, it was like rewarded to be passive and also, and like in my family and also like greater society, like they see me like 
when I would show anger, then it's like, oh, you're being so aggressive, you know, like that whole thing. Um, right. But I felt like I, I countered that by being like super aggressive right. and like going like the way that your sisters or <laughs> yeah. parents might go. But yeah, I'm trying to find that middle ground of being assertive. Uh-huh. And then, and then, I'm, and then I get into my head too about like, oh, who gets to define what is passive, assertive, or aggressive? Like those are also very mm-hmm. Western definitions. But right. but I also realize that in order to survive in this society, that assertiveness is what I need to do. Right. Yeah, it's complicated. But oh yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. It's I mean, <laughs> it's like whose whose definition are we signing up for when we you know? <laughs> I think like something that helps me is like I don't know. I get really stressed out when I think that I need to be more assertive. Like mm. I get that stresses me out so much, and I think to myself like. I just want to be myself, mm. you know, and I don't know. Is that a cop out to yeah, say well, that I just want to be myself and I'm not a confrontational person? I I think having that added layer of stress, just even about being assertive, like yeah. that doesn't help for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess like I, that's something I'm still trying to figure out, like, because I'm not like I'm not a glad hander, you know, I'm not someone who like schmoozes and stuff like that. And yet, um, maybe that's what I need to do, you know, to better my situation. But at the same time, like, I just want to like live a life that's true to who I am. And so I don't know, I think it's a balance between acting as if to sort of propel yourself in a certain direction that you might want to go to. And I I mean, I guess it all comes down to like, you just got to do what you got to do, you know, and kind of always remember who you are despite that. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just in thinking about it for myself too. Like sometimes it's, yeah, it's definitely hard to be assertive. The only time that like I find it comfortable to be assertive is at work mm-hmm. because I have the authority to do it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm endowed with a title and, you know, a certain amount of power to be like, no, this is how it has to be mm-hmm. because it, this and this and this. So it's nice to have that structure. But yeah, in your everyday life, like if you're on the road, if you're ordering at a restaurant, you know, like if you're relating to like someone on the street, like when do you do that? And it's it's it much easier for me to be assertive for other people mm-hmm. and be like, well, no, 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 we're going to fix this because this needs to be they can't get away with that, you know, right. and, and, and it's it's not it's it's also I wouldn't say it's a cop out and I don't want to say what you are you know, the way that you want to be and you're not a confrontational person. Like, cause like, it's like, yeah, it is a Western idea to be more assertive, to be direct. And that's not like, I had to learn to say, to take out the words like should probably, and maybe Mm -hmm. in my emails, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and to just, yeah, just to, just, uh, just to (laughs) put it back in the sentence, like to, to relate to people differently. And so I think it's, it makes sense for work, but in the everyday life, like you just, you know, and it's easier because like when it's, it's us three, like, Oh, we're all Asian Americans. We get it. You know, like, like I'm going to just let this, you know, like in other contexts, you like, you just let that person talk and talk and talk. Cause that's yeah. like, cause, cause you're waiting for your turn. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That happens to me all the time. Yeah. Like, so I normally work at Asian organizations, but then recently I worked at one that wasn't. And I just found it so interesting that I usually find myself like to be very vocal, but it was just like, yeah, I would just, I didn't know what was going on, but yeah. I was just like, this is so one-sided. Do you even recognize this? Do you think that I just don't like talking? Like yeah. what is going on in your head? You know? Yeah. 
And it's like you're waiting for them to take a breath and you're like, oh, no, this person wants me to interrupt them. Yeah. So yeah. In, in certain senses, I think like when I need to express myself, I will. But if it's like in a friend situation, like the only time I do it is like if I think it'll make the situation better. Yeah. Like in order to like. Like, we're all deciding where we want to go out to eat. <laughs> and they're like, wait, Vanessa, you just choose because you know this place better. I'm like, all right, all right whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's just do it. And then, mm-hmm. and then you make a decision. But it's still, like, for other, you know, with other people in mind. Yeah. As opposed to being individualistic. Or- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that's kind of how I reconcile that. But I, I think it's an imperfect way to do it. Because, like, you know, you're you're just, again, like, you had you had a specific identity and you have a way of viewing yourself and then it's out there in the world, like interacting with other people's like ways of being and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like a lot of this stuff, like, you know, who we are as Asian American feel- females is like kind of in flux, you know? Do you feel yeah. intimidated by people of great bodies to bring it back to body image? <laughs> oh, yeah. Body image. <laughs> is that what we're here for? Uh, you know what I noticed? Okay, so... And this isn't like cultural or or this isn't like uh, related necessarily to um, ethnicity, but I used to live in a house with three roommates. So there are four rooms and we're all, it was like a Craigslist house. So it was constantly, constantly changing roommates. And I lived with like probably 20 people over the past eight years or something like that. And then sometimes you'd get like a really good looking girl come in, (laughs) you know, it's just like all fit and she's with her like you know, workout clothes on and stuff like that. And I, I was sitting there with my roommate and we were listening to her and I, I found myself doing something which I never do, which is I was playing with my hair, like while she was talking, like just playing with my hair, like almost obsessively. Oh. And it was, I think it was because I was very intimidated by like how, how good looking and fit she was that like I needed to do, have a nervous habit you know, and mm. to remind myself that I was still like a woman, <laughs> like compared yeah. to this, like, you know, that's what she, so it's like she was like more of a woman in your yeah. head because she conform, you know, right. She whether intentionally or intentionally way. conformed. Right. Yeah, exactly. Do you ever feel that way? I just don't look at them a lot because they'd all just keep staring and she'd be like, wow, that person's really hot. <laughs> but like, it's just like, it's just, you know, like I try to be subconscious or consciously not like be like you know um so that's sort of the eye avoidance is one of those things or or just to be overly funny mm-hmm. so I, like i'm overcompensating by like let's laugh at my jokes now you know like <laughs> so that puts us on even playing field because i have mm. power into in that sense you know like mm-hmm. that like but it's also like a mild way of just like you know making a connection and but yeah i try not to i just i try to like uh, be immune because it's like you know, like I'm encountering people like this a lot, like just because, you know, the sheer thing of the industry mm-hmm. and you just part of it is like fake it till you make it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like when you shake someone's hand, it's got to be firm. You know, like when you meet someone that is more attractive than you, you're just like, this is just this is you and me. And we're on this like level, you know, and I don't go to work like wearing makeup and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's like like I'm on on a very specific level. I'm already like that's a very specific choice that like. Mm-hmm. puts me like at a different level than any like of my female co- mm-hmm. co-workers mm-hmm. you know so it's um you know i think 
I, I think everybody has their ways of dealing with like, and cause there's always going to be someone hotter, right? Even <laughs> if you meet that hotter person, there's going to be a hotter person than that. <laughs> but it's just like, it's it, true. I think, I think there's only certain people in their attractiveness that really bother me. Uh-huh. We're like people who are trying too hard to be more attractive than they are, uh-huh. where that makes me uncomfortable where I'm like, too much, too much makeup, honey. Like, you know, it's just like, or, or, or it's, um, or like a certain kind of Asian girl. What's what, a certain what kind, kind of Asian that? girl? Uh, the ones that like are a lot more glamorous. Cause I think there's like very mm. pretty Asian girls who like, they're just like, they're, it's like more natural. They don't wear as much makeup. It's like those ones that go to the clubs. Like I always hate on like girls who feel like, <laughs> who gr- girls who like roll up into like a like a, a bar but they roll up like they're going to like you know the avalon and i'm like you mean like with the way that they're dressing yeah 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 like like and and i you know like i was at some like like but what if freaking, they just love fashion yeah see that's, that's the thing passion in life is that's fashion. and it, that's not fair but it, it makes me so uncomfortable that i have to hate on it and it's like <laughs> yeah it's hard because you're responding to a thing that exists in the world because that could be possible for right. that person but right there's a something you're reacting to that's very real yeah yeah, yeah. where you're like mm, all right you signed up that's fine you know <laughs> go live your life and 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 get on those vip lists and like it's a world that i'll never know and understand you know because i've don't really want it but i also like those feelings of like popularity or attraction mm-hmm. or like yeah. uh, attention in a certain way is like huh maybe even once in a while it'd be nice to get that kind of attention yeah but then again, it's 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 fraught with complications, right? So, I think consciously or subconsciously, when I like say if I see a woman who's like conventionally attractive, then I like often I will have those automatic feelings that I'm supposed to have of like not liking her or whatever. Yeah. Like totally in college, I remember not allowing someone to live in our house because she was too, <laughs> too attractive. Good yeah, and I you know just my insecurity and whatever. Um, <laughs> right on. <laughs> But, you know, now I try to think about how how much I feel like society tears us apart as women and makes us have to compete with each other when we're not the problem, you know? So when I'm at my best, (laughs) then I can be like, you know, I love you. I love you for who you are. And we can be good in the same room. And it's not even like a thing, you know, like that we should love each other. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I really do. I, I also have that that reaction of like immediately hating on someone because I'm threatened by them, you know, in a very like, uh, specific way, but it does suck. And that must suck for that person. Cause they probably get that too a lot, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, I recently too, like just, um, so my coworker is this like really tall blonde, uh, woman who like, she told me on the phone before um, we started working together that like, yeah, I do really like people really like me. Like I communicate well and like just talking about like I was like basically phone interviewing her. Right. Um, and then she walked in. I was like, oh, yeah, that's why people like you. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, like pretty girls definitely have it easier. Like they get served more quickly or like, you know, there's more attention paid. But, you know, like in just like working with her and like. Uh, uh, seeing her work like it's all about recognizing those other components to who she is Mm -hmm. and that's I think we have a lot of fun together like we just like Mm -hmm. laugh a lot together Mm -hmm. I'm doing the I'm doing the joke telling by the way (laughs) oh so that's why you like her Uh, because I have the power in this situation to make people laugh no 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 but really like 
<laughs> no, she's 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 just she's just pretty silly. But like like finding those aspects where we connect has been like a lot more of a rewarding experience in terms of like versus like obviously like hating on someone is not yeah, a right. rewarding experience ever. I mean, sometimes it's gratifying in the moment. (laughs) Sometimes, right? Yeah, but it's not. No, it's not healthy. It's not healthy. It's not healthy, guys. Don't, don't, don't do it. (laughs) Or at least try it. But like, you know, like I think, yeah, trying to recognize those things that just, you know, like that make her like a real person. And and, because I think it's easy to objectify other hot people like, (laughs) like, in a, in a different way. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they become objects of your envy or, yeah. you know, like, like we said, we hate on those people and they're not people anymore. Yeah. You yeah. Humanize them. I think for me, the activist in me, ideally would want if that person, like if a, someone like that was my friend for, for me to be able to see them as a human and for them to also recognize how they might get treated differently. Mm-hmm. Like it would piss me off. If that person was also like, Oh, but you know, we get treated the same, you know, like yeah. that, that would piss me off for them to recognize their privilege in those situations too. Mm. Right. That's a good point. You know, similar to like light skin privilege, like, you know, I'm a lighter skin Asian. Like what, how does that affect my life differently? You know? Word. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Just being aware of your own, that your own privileges is, is huge. Like my, how my nice skin gets me into the club. <laughs> Every time I see you, I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, oh, that girl, that girl, that girl, get her in here, get her in here. She's got and, skin. And my skin. My skin's like glowing and stuff like that. It's just like shiny, shimmery vampire skin. Um, yeah. What would you want relatives to tell you when they saw you? What would be an ideal? Ooh, that's, that's a good question. Yeah. Would it be like, a specific comment or no comment or you know that's actually a great question i don't know i feel like i don't know a lot of the things that they i already do get compliments on like i also realized that they're not great markers because um so whether it's like i mean they, they they tell me like oh yeah you've lost weight or um you know how's your job or like they only want to talk about like this or, and this is for me too, is like the stuff that's going well. Mm. Like what's, what are they going to talk about with me when I don't have a job, you know, mm-hmm. or what are they going to talk about with me when I've gained a lot of weight or, you know, like what, you know, like, or if I decided to wear something sloppy, <laughs> most <laughs> times if you don't hear something that it's like, mm. cause it's like, <laughs> or, or, you know, but I don't think they consciously do those kinds of things, you know, like, because we're more Americanized, I think we're more aware of those things. And I've like, like I said, I've never heard what that Popo told me <laughs> that day. You know, Popo being grandma by the, or old old woman, in in general speak. But um, you know, I I don't know. I don't know what I would want to hear uh, from them about me. Like, because I still have trouble taking compliments. <laughs> but that will be covered another time, or or has been covered. But um. I don't know. I, I'm going to pass on this one until I can think of something yeah. actually adequate. <laughs> yeah, for the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something to kind of, because then, cause then you can change the conversation, right? Yeah. If you know kind of what you wish you heard from them. Yeah, and maybe, you know, it's, it's always hard, but you can try to like model that with like, say, other people in your family when you see them. You could be like, you look really happy today or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's a re- that's really good. 
that's yeah. really nice. Or being able to get into the, the tougher conversations with people too. That's know? actually what I want to hear is yeah. I want to hear something like happy hard. Today? No, something oh. hard. Like I had someone in my family share with them about how they were feeling about the loss of, you know, someone close to them. And I was mm. like, I felt so privileged to be in the room yeah. to hear that. And that was actually like, cause I've like my root, like my relatives have actually seen my documentary and they've talked about how it's important or, you know, like obviously we don't talk directly about some of those discussions in the documentary, like my depression from that time. But like, you know, for them to open up, that's actually more of a compliment because in a way it's saying, I trust you. Yeah. So, or, and I, or I see you as an adult now mm-hmm. that we can have that. That's like, mm-hmm. I mean, like, cause in Asian families, like we'll forever be children, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, what about you, April? I think that's a great one. No, you can't have that one. Oh. <laughs> you're, you're on your own. That's pretty much it. Good um, luck. <laughs> Sorry. And I was, I was thinking this after our last podcast about Vanessa's forcing us to give each other compliments. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was thinking I might change my mind, but this is what it's in my head now is that like, I don't really want any compliments. Like I'm, I don't need it. And I'm an adult now and I should, I mean, there's so many people in the world who don't get compliments, you know, mm. and like they just continue to live their life for because they have purpose and they're not doing it because someone's like complimenting them and telling them they're doing a great job. You know, mm. they do it for a reason. Um, and it's not like recognition. And so like, I mean, it's great to get compliments and it's very nice and it kind of buoys your self-esteem for a little bit or something but i don't want any compliments <laughs> I nobody just want, compliment i just April. want i just want to develop some kind of like thicker skin and just like get through life and do it find a purpose and do it and mm. be happy with like whatever is produced out of that you know right but please do rate and review the podcast <laughs> <laughs> how will we know <laughs> how will we know that we're doing it right <laughs> No. But it's also nice to have people who do do that because, you know, it's nice. It's nice to hear things every now and then. And it kind of doesn't even matter what it is. It's just nice that there are people in your life who who want to say nice things to you. Yeah. For those people who actually, like, I know that that's how they love on other people, then I graciously accept it. Mm-hmm. Because how else? Like, if, if you're told the way that you're loving me is wrong, like, that's mm-hmm. really hard to hear, you know. Um, Stephanie. Deep. <laughs> oh, do we, do we want to just settle on that moment? Just go. Hmm. To honor that thought. <laughs> oh, I'm still. Wait, I'm still. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry just kidding. We're, we're done. We're done. <laughs> I'm ready for some hot flakes, so just kidding. Go ahead. Oh, you want me to answer that question too? Oh yes. Um, you know it's hard because the relatives that I see most came here maybe like less than ten years ago, and. I think because that maybe I give them a pass when they're like, oh, you look like you lost weight. Oh, you're wearing a dress today, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations. Yeah, I just know we're so different. And that's just, like you said, that's the way that they want to love me. And I'm, at least I met them later in my life. So I'm old enough to be like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm going to accept that and appreciate our relationship, but not internalize it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I think I agree with you that I, having deep conversations, like that's so rare. Um, That's what I value. And I think, 
uh, for people in my life who I'm closer to, like, say, my partner, I've been talking to him about the importance of affirmation. Mm -hmm. Just being like, thanks for doing the dishes. Right. Yeah. If you're listening. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. Good practice. Just for, like, the shit I do. Yeah. You know? Reinforcing that kind of stuff is. That's actually. So my roommate cleans the bathroom a lot. Cause she's just like more and she does the dishes and she's like, Vanessa, I clean the bathroom. And before when I heard that, I'd be like, Oh, she's telling me I did something wrong. Yeah. Right. But now she's just like, no, I just want to hear like, thank you for that. Aww. So like, I'm glad we were clear about that. Yeah. yeah cause you were like feeling bad and then yeah. maybe she was feeling bad cause you weren't giving her. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you didn't recognize this good thing I did. And uh, like, now I'm like, thank you. Yeah. I'm really glad you did that. I was very busy this yeah. week. So yeah. I've like can exist in a clean bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciation is always a nice thing. Yeah. Very cool. Wait, are we ready to sing Kumbaya and hold hands? <laughs> One day I'm going to trick pushing it, Vanessa. <laughs> I'm going to trick her into holding hands with me and she won't even know that it happened. God. So in the Myers-Briggs, are you the counselor one? Is that what you were referring to? Oh, are you the counselor? Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is so funny because... I feel like the things that you were presenting that are very like counselor activities, like, oh, everyone compliment each other. (laughs) (laughs) You were the one who was like, "Mm -mm, no. (laughs) We switch roles when we get behind the mic. Um, No, I'm I'm just always trying to trick April into doing things that she's uncomfortable with. (laughs) That makes me the trickster in Myers-Briggs. I'm just playing. No, uh, mine is called the champion. So you're the teacher. April's the counselor. I'm the champion. What does that mean, the champion? You just get real passionate about things. Mm. You want to like champion causes. Okay. Yeah, that's no, that's not me at all. <laughs> it's definitely not what I want to do. I just want to shrink, like a violet. Champion. Yeah. We are the champion. You are the champion of the world. That's not the lyric, is it? Yeah, well, she was adapting it for you, saying you. You don't think the rest of it's right? I don't know. I'm really bad at lyrics. Wait, can I ask why are you two the bull and the badger? Ruined it. Oh. uh, Is is that explained in a previous? It is, but it's not. (laughs) It isn't that. We were just throwing around weird names, Mm. and we just landed on that one, and... I'm embarrassed mostly because we were supposed to come up with a better origin story. <laughs> we just have it. We just, cause like, I think, I don't know. There was like your Taurus. I've been called a badger throughout my college years Why? because they think it's funny. And by they, I mean my college friends who I hate. But what, what's the connection there? Uh, basically we were like naming, like you go through and you're like, Oh, what kind of animal are you? And some people were like, mice or rabbits or birds or something like that and they're like you're a badger because like badgers are kind of like cranky creatures that like <laughs> stay on the ground like you think of like uh what the, the toad's wild ride or something like toad's oh, adventure yeah. uh, or something toad's like. wild ride is that what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's mr toad's adventure okay. but the disney okay. <laughs> thing is called mr toad's wild ride i didn't know it was based on the book <laughs> no idea what you guys are talking about at all so who are these beatles that everybody beatles beatles are they the ones who make the commercial songs (laughs) yes um anyways the badger's kind of like a stodgy character and so i hated being called that and thus i now call myself that shame 
<laughs> Here I am living my life with shame. Shame, shame, shame. I don't know where that came from, but we definitely need to have some kind of like, you know, like uh, John's friends, like Ronald McDonald, Black Sabbath cover band. Oh, yeah. What? We should have a queen. <laughs> Mac Sabbath. Yeah. We should have a queen <laughs> band where like it's like, you know, like really epic, like like Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. I'm just a poor boy. No. <laughs> we should be about shame and like Asian American culture. Like how amazing would that be? And it would be called. Go, Steph, go. <laughs> no, I'm still wrapping my head around. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's trying to catch up on the podcast too. They're like, where did it just <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> Maybe we'll just we'll just wrap it up and say goodbye. <laughs> well we think great. about amazing band title names and get the audience to rate and review and then also make suggestions on um Well, I hope we feel better about yeah. our body images. <laughs> You oh, are I'm... all beautiful, and I am beautiful. <laughs> am I making April uncomfortable? <laughs> no, I like it. I just oh, don't good. like it when it comes from Vanessa. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> she can't. It's like in the contract not to take compliments from me for some reason. <laughs> You're beautiful, April. Oh, yes. <laughs> also, sure you too, Steph. <laughs> I, I will take that all in. <laughs> yeah. I mean it for real, though. Thank you. Well, I think ENFGs <laughs> ENFJs have a propensity to give verbal affirmation, mm-hmm. and they're really good at it. Like, because ENFJs have a way of making it sound like just so genuine that you're like, "Thank you." Like, wow, that really like touched my heart without making me feel all <sighs> saccharine and stuff like that. Anyways, okay, so we were wrapping up, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I think. I think this was a really fruitful discussion and I'm really thankful to have you on because I think you sharing your journey is really, really eye-opening and true of like a lot of us just trying to work things out. I want to see you tell a story. <laughs> you, you just did question mark pretty much a story for life oh, okay, sorry. Oh, okay. well, thank you both for this opportunity i hope I, you i hope you had fun yeah i had lots of fun <laughs> okay of fun. if she said no what would we have done we just cried. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I probably won't come back if you ask me, but uh, otherwise we're good. You know, it was a couple of wasted hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really appreciate what y'all do here. I think it's so, and I like that you have fun doing it, you know? Some of us have fun. Oh. <laughs> Asking for it. Asking for it. <laughs> Okay, let's end this podcast. I wouldn't wouldn't end it if I were you, Vanessa. (laughs) You're in a safe zone right now. Just kidding. I can't even open this bottle of apple juice. My hands are so sweaty. (laughs) You haven't talked about that in a while. I feel like... I know, because I'm trying to... Sweaty hands? I'm trying to limit my sweat talk. It's okay. We like to talk about how she she sweats a lot. Yeah, she has no shame about that. For yeah, no, that's very interesting. Shameless. I, I wanted to hear more about that. <laughs> After these messages, <laughs> now that we're wrapping up. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Um, sorry, I don't know what that was about.